You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. And I am Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and only the finest in TV and movie recommendations for whatever ails you. Oh, yes. We are like that top shelf liquor, not like that $1.99 <laughs> wine that I used to buy in college. That's right. That's what we are. As usual, our disclaimer, we are not real therapists but we are real TV and movie critics. And before we get to today's show, we have an announcement. We have new show colors, kind of like school colors. We have show colors. If you've ever wondered uh, lately, where's the red movie therapy logo? What What happened to my favorite logo? We decided to switch things up a little bit to stand out because all the other movie podcasts also uncannily have red show logos. So we are now the blue and orange movie therapy podcast. We are still the same great show. We've got blue and orange colors. Yes. Yes, we do. We hope you enjoy those colors. Uh, We have another announcement also. We are going to be joined by our friend Gretchen Rubin later in the show. Gretchen is the author of The Happiness Project. She's the host of the podcast Happier with Gretchen Rubin. But before we get to Gretchen, Rafer, we have some patients to attend to, don't we? Ah, yes, indeed we do. Shall I take the first? Yes, please do, Rafer. All right. Our first letter is from Emily Cortez. Emily writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, Since I started my graduate program, I have had at least one class with this professor. For the first time, I will not have any classes with this professor, and I feel so devastated that I won't see her blue eyes all summer. I have only had heterosexual relationships and have never had a true crush on another woman, but she is my first one. I cannot stop thinking about her, and even my dreams are full of her face. I reread emails and replay the most innocuous situations in class, searching for hidden meaning and anything to feed the fantasy that she likes me too. I will still have at least two more classes with her and have to work with her as my advisor in a club. Can you help me with a movie to work through the feelings of this taboo crush? I don't intend to do anything, but I have had this crush for such a long time that I think I may go crazy and do something irresponsible. Please help me from ruining the future of my professional career. 
Ooh, Emily. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Those are some intense feelings. And uh, I'm just going to say it right now. Please don't do anything irresponsible. Um, as you said, uh, you don't want to go crazy. We don't want that either. We want you to stay the course with your studies. We want you to pay attention to what you're actually learning from your professors. And I have to say, it might actually be a good thing that you don't have a class with this teacher this semester. Could be. Yeah, it, it might be good just to have a little bit of distance there. I know you still have her as your advisor and so on, but having a little bit of distance, it sounds, might be a good thing. I understand you're heartbroken over this distance, but it sounds like it's actually possibly a good thing. How do you feel about this, Rafer? Well, this is one of those situations I guess this is one of those rare situations where you want to step in and tell people not to act on their feelings. Um, you know, usually nobody wants to stand in between um, somebody and uh, the object of their affections. You know, you always want to say, go for it. Tell her how you feel. Just, Chase love. Just, it's all yours. Right, throw, it's there for the taking. Throw caution to the wind. Um, <laughs> just don't even think about it. Um, but this is a little different. I mean... You know, listen, I know sometimes these things work out. Um, you know, I have known editors who married their reporters. I have known people who slept with their TAs in graduate school. But no, I, yes, Reefer. come on. Oh, you, my God. Oh, Reefer. I'm just saying. That, that was another time. I, Ugh, even back when they were happening, they shouldn't have been I happening. I know. The fact that people turned a blind eye to it is because it was another time. I, well, but it still shouldn't have been happening back then. Uh, look, I totally agree. Um but I do, I do think that it is, by and large, generally a pretty bad idea. I do think you are jeopardizing a couple of careers here. Yours, to some extent, certainly your professors. Um, you know, you just, and you don't know. I don't know how well you know this person. I mean, there's a very good chance that your professor, just by dint of being a person of a certain age, is already in a relationship. Um, this person may react very badly to some sort of come on. Um, and here's one other thing I would say about sort of professional situations like this, a, a workplace thing. I, it's always flattering when someone finds you attractive, but some sometimes I think it can be a little annoying too when you're just trying to do a job. You know, you think someone is kind of responding to your ideas and your intelligence and the fact that you're a capable person. And then and then when you kind of realize that the, they just want to sleep with you, you kind of feel like, God damn it, I'm trying to do something here. And you're just, you know, you're like looking at me in that way. I don't know. I But I ultimately, Kristen... I'm with you, and I say, I think this is the wrong thing to do. Don't do this. And and this might just be more of an infatuation than actual love. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm also going to say something that um, may not make sense initially, but it will, I hope. So I used to be a waitress, and people sometimes would come in and give me presents. Oh. Sometimes they would write me postcards when they were on vacation wow. even. Sometimes they thought that the kindness, the hospitality, the courtesy, my interest in them in asking them questions and how they're doing and what have you been up to since we saw you last week. Um, a lot of people mistook that for me having a deep and genuine affection for them, uh -huh. when in fact, it was my job. And a teacher's job, a professor's job is to nurture your curiosity, to see your potential for greatness to admire the good things in you and help bring those out in you and maybe see you in a way that you want to see yourself. But that's the professor's job. That doesn't mean that they're trying to uh, win your affections. And it doesn't mean that they see you in an affectionate way. 
they are doing their job. And I think it's sometimes easy to mistake those things and to think, oh, there's something going on between us when in fact, right. the professor is doing their job just as I was doing my job as a waitress. And it happens. And I'm sure your professor, this is not the first time that somebody's had a crush on your professor, just like all waitresses have people who have crushes on them. It just happens. It's, sure. just, it's just part of the job. Uh, I, I think that it's not uncommon, I guess is what I'm saying. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's love. That thing you're feeling is not uncommon, but I don't think it's necessarily love. So Kristen, what are you going to prescribe for this uh, poor woman with a taboo crush? All right. I am going to prescribe a movie that, if I remember correctly, Rafer, you were not a huge fan of. Okay. In 2014, we saw this movie. It was called Kelly and Cal. Yes, with Juliette yes. Lewis. Correct. Correct. Yes. Now, this is a little indie movie, so I'm guessing most people out there have not seen it. Kelly and Cal stars Juliette Lewis as Kelly, and she is a former punk rocker who's disillusioned with her new life as a suburban mom with a three-month-old baby. She's got a husband who works a lot, and uh, he just doesn't seem to be around as much as she needs him. And then there's a next-door neighbor. Uh, played by Johnny Weston. He's a 17-year-old who recently experienced a spinal cord injury. He's now in a wheelchair. And the two begin hanging out, and they bond over all the things that used to be and the sadness over where they are now. But it becomes apparent at a certain point that the feelings are more than platonic. Here's a clip. Well, Mrs. Cooper. Don't call me that. Mrs. Cooper. I can't. I'm not dancing. You can't bullshit. You can't dance. Are you in a wheelchair? Oh, don't give me that crap. I can dance. Check out these moves. <laughs> it's pretty slick. And then you can dance. Okay, so get your ass out on the floor. <laughs> I can't. I'm too drunk. Then you're perfectly primed up. Come on. Okay. Here she goes. <laughs> Kristen, this is a, a very obscure little movie that you found. I, I I I barely barely remember this movie except for except that when you described it, one, one thing I was remembering was how much I liked Johnny Weston in the role as the kid. Um, and it's, and he, I feel like yes. I just really haven't seen him show up in very many places lately. Um, and I'd kind of forgotten because I, I remember there was, there were movies that he was um, showing up in here and there. Um, and, and this was one of them and he was really, really good in it. I remember I felt like the rest of the movie was a little kind of uncertain about what it was trying to do. But I do remember it was kind of an, an interesting sort of opposites attract kind of situation, or at least an interesting idea of these two extremely different people coming together and having a relationship. Yeah, it's not a perfect movie. I'll be the first to say that. But I still really enjoyed it. I second what you said about Johnny Weston just being terrific in it. He is so good. Yeah. And the reason I'm prescribing it is because... I really think Kelly and Cal captures the intensity of emotions that can develop when one person feels a taboo affection for another. But it also shows very clearly how that taboo affection might actually be something else in disguise. 
Maybe it's a longing for someone to see us the way we want to be seen. Maybe it's the desire to be respected and admired by someone who has qualities that we respect and admire. Or maybe it's a way to further distance ourselves from all the scary realities of the present, including relationships with people who have the power to hurt us. So, Emily, regardless, I hope that Kelly and Cal reminds you that it's actually a good thing that you don't have a class with your professor this term. (laughs) And I hope the movie encourages you to appreciate all the people your own age, male, female, or otherwise, who could actually reciprocate your affections in a healthy way rather than fixating on somebody who can't. So that's my prescription. Rafer, what about you? What are you going to prescribe to Emily? Well... I feel like we're doing a lot of finger wagging at poor Emily Cortez here with these prescriptions, but oh, no. I, I have I have a similar kind of cautionary tale. Um, uh, the the movie I chose was High Art from 1998. But of course, yeah. oh my gosh, a classic. Yes, from my favorite uh, Lisa Cholodenko, one of my favorite filmmakers. Um, and you know, I think it has sort of the same upshot as what you're talking about, Kristen. Um, though it's a very, very different story. Um, it's about a young photographer, aspiring photographer, I guess, named Sid. Uh, that's S Y D. It's played by Rada Mitchell, and she's living in New York City with her boyfriend. And she's trying to break into the magazine world. And through a series of events, she starts meeting some kind of interesting people. Uh, one is Dominique, this uh, magazine photo editor who's you know very very glamorous, very worldly, very sophisticated. Another is this woman named Greta, who um, is played by Patricia Clarkson. She used to be an actress in Fassbender films, and she's exactly what you would expect, this <laughs> long, lanky, winnowy... She's a heroin addict now. She's completely, you know, dissipated. She's sort of a walking tragedy. She's perfect. Uh, And then there's Lucy, who is this tough, uh, highly accomplished photographer who is in a sexual relationship with Greta. I wouldn't exactly quite call it love. It's something a little less healthy than that. But they've got this relationship going all these people are so glamorous, so interesting, and they're the kind of people that Sid has only read about in books, and now she's actually hanging out with them, and she's in the middle of this kind of glamorous, decadent, high-powered, you know, uh, fashion, media, movie world. And then something kind of unexpected happens, and Sid begins to fall in love with Lucy. And here's a clip. This is Lucy Berliner. I just brought it in for Harry to look at. I love Lucy Berliner. How do you know her? We're neighbors. She really wants you to do a piece. Probably the cover. It's a wonderful thing about you. Your ambition. Focus. The people at Frame think you're an amazing photographer. Look, I need to get out of town right now. We have a deadline. We'll get something into them. Trust me, okay? Just come with me. I take pictures of you. You look really sexy, actually. Now, Reefer, I said this was a classic, and I kind of was saying that in the sense that it's a very celebrated movie yes. in some circles. But I guess it's also now a classic because it's almost 25 years old. So I know. Ridiculous, right? <laughs> I can't believe this movie is so old. I felt like this was like a really important movie to me and a lot of my college friends. I know. I know. In fact, I was just recently um, uh, compiling a whole list of uh, like uh, the most definitive movies of the 90s uh, for mm-hmm. Newsday. And um, to be totally honest, um, 
I completely forgot that this had been released in the 90s. Uh, I wouldn't call it a necessarily a definitive 90s movie, but um, it and it just seems so recent to me. Uh, and then, you know, mm-hmm. like, like you say, it was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> anyway, there's a lot of reasons to recommend this, um, starting with um, Ali Sheedy, who plays Lucy. Um, you know, you can't you can't bring up Ali Sheedy without bringing up The Breakfast Club and her Brat Pack days. And um, when this movie came out, everyone was sort of stunned that, Ali Sheedy was doing something so different. It was such a totally different character, and it's a really, really good performance. Um, This is one of the first places I ever saw Patricia Clarkson, uh, or at least one of the first places where I really noticed her. She plays Greta. Um, And like I say, it's by Lisa Cholodenko, who's one of my favorite filmmakers. She's the uh, same director who did The Kids Are All Right. Very similar story. You've got both of them have these heroes that are women with slightly gender neutral names, and they both cross that line that divides gay from straight. Um, it's a lot of taboo, a lot of uh, sexual attraction. I guess that's one of the things I like about it. That's why I prescribe it is because it seems like a really clear eyed look at three things, which is which is uh, sexual attraction, youth, and power. And when those things get mixed up together it can be a pretty toxic combination. And it's very difficult, I think, especially when you're young, to differentiate between wanting someone, wanting what that person has, being attracted to kind of who they are in the world more than maybe who they are are, if that makes any sense. Um, and that might be what's going on here with our listener and her professor. It, that might be the case. I don't totally know. But I think, like you, Kristen, I think um, High Art is a, is a, is a movie that uh, I think sort of offers a, a cautionary tale that is, that is worth heeding. So that's why I recommend it. All right. Well, Emily, best of luck with your situation. We know you're going to be just fine. Yes. We know that your feelings are very intense, but you're going to get through this. You're not going to hit on your professor. Life is going to be fine. (laughs) Once again, our prescriptions are from Rafer, High Art from 1998, and from me, Kelly and Cal from 2014. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, do you need some movie therapy? Visit our website, RaferandKristen.com, and fill out the contact form. You don't have to use your real name. And when you're there, you can also check out the full list, our prescription pad, of every movie and TV show we have prescribed on the show. And if you haven't already, join the conversation on our Facebook community. That's Facebook.com slash groups slash Kristen. All of the conversations there are fantastic and fun and very kind. Sometimes it's about good advice. Sometimes it's about bad advice. Sometimes it's about good movies. Sometimes it's about bad TV shows. It's about all of the above. All right. When we're back, we'll tackle a letter from someone who's recently been laid off. We're back with our second letter of the week. Kristen, what does our second patient have to say? All right. Our second patient is named Kyla. And Kyla writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I was unexpectedly laid off in February. It was super shocking and painful as I had no clue it was coming and had contributed a lot in 14 years. Then I ended up needing surgery for a hip impingement in March. I'm starting to regroup, but I'm finding myself feeling uninspired about job possibilities at the ripe age of 48. Can you please help? Hmm. 
Well, I feel for you. Although I do want to say, 48, not so ripe. No, no, not at all. In today's day and age, we're all expected to work until our early to mid-70s. So you got a good 25 years left of working left in you. That's right. You got a quarter century left of work, Kyla. I completely <laughs> agree. You know, I, uh, you know how people always say um, things happen for a reason? Yeah, and that's malarkey. But as you were. I know. I, <laughs> no, I, I, I hate that too. And I hate when people say that. But I'm going to try to flip that on its head a little bit, or at least rephrase that in a in a more rational way, or at least one that would resonate more with me. I guess I would say, if you meet this situation the right way, if you meet it with resilience and a sense of optimism, and you could look at it as a chance to mix things up a little and uh, take a risk or two, maybe do some things that you wouldn't have done otherwise normally, um, I really do think that things are kind of guaranteed to work out well for you. If you go into it with the right attitude, things are going to work out well. And then, in hindsight, you're the person who says stuff like, well, things happen for a reason, <laughs> right? But the secret is that you're, you're the reason. You're why the thing worked. You're why everything worked out well. The reason is you. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't some kind of mystical thing. It, you know, I, it, it, you're, you got to make it happen and you will make it happen. I do think in situations like these, this is something that my wife has taught me because I'm not very good at it and I have to remember it consciously. You know, you've got to, you've got to go into things with a good attitude and keep your chin up and that will make all the difference. And I think she's, I think she's right and I think I'm right when I say this to you, Kyla, our listener. I also think it just makes it more fun. I mean, totally. My God. It's way less fun to go into things as a negative Nancy. It's way more fun to go in like, hey, everybody. Good morning. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I know this is the person who does that at all my jobs. And maybe some people think like, ugh, why is she happy for no good reason? But a lot of people just think, I want to work with her. I, She's fun. Completely. Completely. <laughs> I had a I had a uh, therapist once who said to me I was stunned when he said this to me he said you know sometimes you just gotta fake it till you make it mm -hmm. and I just thought wow I paid a shrink for that but then <laughs> at the same time I kind of thought geez I think he's right like I think I I think I kind of get what he's saying you know it's there's some wisdom to that yeah you know I like to think positivity is a muscle that gets stronger as long as we use it right oh but that's very that's a nice way of putting it it's gonna atrophy if we don't use it right so that's very nice yeah and and that's not to say be in denial it sucks to have to have a hip surgery it sucks to lose your job after 14 years completely all this stuff sucks Kyla we're not telling you to be in denial but we know you have the fortitude to go forth and to do great things we know that you know whatever you try next whether it's lots of different jobs or the next big career that you have you're gonna you're gonna be great at it maybe you'll stumble a few times maybe you'll take two steps back and six steps forward that's what most of us do in life and it's gonna be fine and people start new careers at later ages every single day and totally especially now because of the pandemic but it's always been the case i mean come on colonel sanders didn't even start selling chicken till he was 70 you know is that true yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And and we all know Julia Child didn't even like pick up a knife or a spoon until she was 40. Yeah, that's right. People start careers all the time at ages where maybe popular mythology says you're too old to do it. But that's not true. Don't listen to popular mythology. Listen to us. <laughs> that's right. Listen to us, Kyla. <laughs> so, Rafer, on that note, what are you going to prescribe to Kyla? Well, I'm going to go back to 
a very dependable well, which is from 1983, Mr. Mom. Oh, my God. One of my favorite movies. I know it's one of your favorite movies, but I always thought it was one of your favorites because you have such a huge crush on Terry Garr. And I thought that's (laughs) that's also one of the reasons. And I think it's a completely excellent reason to be a fan (laughs) of a film. Um, Yes, uh, this is one of my favorite movies. Um, You may know it. You may be familiar with it. Uh, Michael Keaton plays a guy named Jack Butler. He's a car engineer. Uh, He works for Ford in Detroit. Um, His wife is Terry Garr. They have three kids, uh, including a, a little baby. Um, and they have a pretty traditional uh, arrangement. She stays at home. He goes to work. He makes the money. It's very traditional, very comfortable. Um, but as I said, the movie takes place in the early 80s. So there's a recession. And one day, Jack is let go. And he did not see it coming, had no idea this was happening. And now his wife, Caroline, has to go out and earn the money. She gets a job in advertising, does really well. Her boss is played by Martin Mull, the great Martin Mull. <laughs> uh, and her husband, Jack, is staying at home with the kids. Uh, I, I know that today this might all sound like, oh, my God, shocker. But, um, you know, again, you got to think of what the era is. And and the character of Jack, he's not a house husband kind of guy. That's not his thing. Um, but, of course... He's going to learn. Comedy will ensue. And here's a clip. Twenty-five cent Wheaties rebate. Oh. And I'm going to uh, <laughs> raise you Van de Camp's pork and beans and Novotin. Uh-huh. Well, I'm going to see your twenty-five cent Wheaties rebate and uh, raise you two tender vittles dollar offs. Okay, that's it for me. I'll fold. Jack, why are you dealing me this garbage? I'm out. This is so much more fun than bridge, Jack. Thanks so much for thinking of it. Girls, girls. Come on, are you going to play cards or flap your gums? Flap my gums. It's getting ugly in here. Hey, come on. All right, all right. I will see you your tender vittles, and I'll raise you a 50-cent yo play and a $2 rebate on a Domino's pizza and a two-for-one-cent pure frozen entree. How about that? Oh, Whoa. serious poker. <laughs> oh, Rafer, this was such an enormous hit in the 80s. It spoke to so many things that were going on in the country in the time. Like, oh my gosh, are men becoming women? Are women becoming men? What is happening? What is going on with the family unit? <laughs> I mean, nowadays it's hilarious to even think like, so? Who cares? What's the big deal? But... I know there's a reason we should care, and that's why you're prescribing this to Kyla. So what is it, Rafer? Yes, that's right. Well, um, among among other reasons, I do think this is one of Michael Keaton's best moments. I just think he's so good in this movie. Uh, it's a John Hughes movie. John Hughes wrote the screenplay. I think it's a very lovely little screenplay. Um, and I know that the gender reversal kind of seems a little outdated, but I think in some ways it kind of holds up because because of the Jack character, who's a real person. He, he's, you know, he's kind of a slob. He's never really had to think about vacuuming the floor and changing diapers. And now suddenly he does. And, and, you know, from his point of view, this is kind of this emasculating thing. And, you know, he always thought of himself as the guy with the job who was making the money. And now he's not. Um, and, you know, whatever era you're in, if something gets pulled out from under you, whatever your identity is, it gets kind of swiped away from you. It's it's tough. You know, you got to you got to grapple with that. And I think what's great about the movie is 
Jack does it all with such great humor. Pretty much from this, just the very start, he just throws himself into it. He doesn't gripe. He doesn't whine. He doesn't complain. He tries to take some pride in it. He tries to do it well. When he fails, like when he feeds the baby a can of chili, he keeps <laughs> trying. You know, he keeps at it. And, you know, it's, it's all... It, it, the movie is a little cartoony. Um, you know, John Hughes always had a bit of a Looney Tunes streak in him. There's always th- there's always like one or two moments in a John Hughes movie that kind of break reality and go off into kind of Coyote versus Roadrunner or sort of like, <laughs> you know, Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny land. I don't mind that so much. I just recommend the movie because I think it's about a guy who's thrown into a new situation, one he's unprepared for and never wanted to be in, and he meets it head on with a good attitude and in the end, everything turns out okay. And also, the movie has Terry Gar in it. So there you go. That's why I recommended it. Did we mention that uh, Rafer likes Terry Gar? I don't know if we mentioned that yet. I don't know if we did mention that. But I just want to say it right here that I love Terry Gar. Okay. Uh, that's my recommendation. Kristen, what about you? All right. Well, I am going to recommend a TV show, not a movie. Uh, this is a TV show that... Many people have written in to us over the course of our podcast saying they love this show, but we have not yet recommended it. It is Grace and Frankie on Netflix. I know Grace and Frankie. Yes. Who doesn't? That's because it stars two superstars who we adore. Uh, Jane Fonda, of course, who plays Grace. Lily Tomlin, who plays Frankie. These are two older women. And when I say older women, I mean like at least 20 years older than you, Kyla. And they have never gotten along, but they come to rely on each other, live together, and even become best friends when their husbands run off with each other. And over the course of the series, a lot goes wrong in their lives. And at one point, Grace, she even gets ousted from the company that she built from the ground up. And then she and Frankie have to come up with new business ideas, new ways to support themselves, new ways to self-identify in this world. And some things work out and some things don't. Here's a clip. Are we still going to do this business thing? Yes. Easy grip vibrators with large print instructions, absorbent, non-hideous panties for women who suffer from bladder control issues. Don't have time to get to the bathroom? Why bother? (laughs) You know, why don't we call them why bothers? (laughs) But you know something? We can do anything we want. Right, babe? You know, I'd forgotten the whole thing about the two husbands. Oh, yeah. In in the first season, they make that a big deal. But then after that, it's just kind of like, whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say this. I don't even know if you need to watch the first season. I don't think the first season is the strongest. You know, they were still getting their legs. And I, I think the show gets way better after the first season, personally. So it's okay if you forget about that part. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to say, I am going to say, uh, I, I'm not trying to diss your recommendation, Kristen. I I do remember being not that compelled by this show, but that's only be that that's because I've only seen the first season, and I've probably only seen the first maybe two or three episodes of it. I remember feeling like it didn't quite grab me. But you say that it gets stronger as it goes along. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, go ahead and skip the first season. That's not even where like these job <laughs> losses and other things happen. That that part's not that interesting anyway to me. The the show gets way better after the first season. So you know why I'm recommending this. I I already explained the professional situation, the work situation, and so on. But there is another reason why I'm recommending this. And that's because sometimes when I'm going through a tough time where I think, 
oh my gosh, I'm a late bloomer, or oh my gosh, everybody's doing better than me. I, I like to look at role models who are 10 or 20 or 30 years older and just think about what they've gone through and think about what they're still going through. And sometimes that gives me the sense of perspective that I need. So I hope that, Kyla, you'll watch Grace and Frankie. No need to watch the first season, which Rafer did not like, um, <laughs> and, and maybe feel a little bit better and motivated to take on the world with some gusto. I think that's a, a fine recommendation. And, you know, as you say, you really couldn't get two better actresses in a show together. Um, and they're, and they're, they're both a lot of fun to watch. Oh, they definitely are. Okay. So from Kristen, Grace and Frankie, and from me, Mr. Mom. All right. We're going to take another quick break. But before we do, thank you to everybody out there who's rated and reviewed us in Apple Podcasts. For example, Martha Spong recently gave us five stars and wrote, I'm so glad to have found movie therapy. Rafer and Kristen bring an encyclopedic knowledge of movies into conversation with care for people experiencing the vicissitudes of life. I appreciate the creativity and cleverness of the connections they draw and their kind and supportive words for listeners. Oh, thank you so much, Martha Spong. Um, interesting last name. At first I thought it was Sponge. Me too. But but Spong, that works for me. Kind of like that game Pong that That's used right. to exist when we were little kids, Rafer. <laughs> remember that right. remember that game? Let's not tease Martha in case that was something that she that people poked fun at her at, about when oh, she was a kid. Oh, Martha. Sorry, no, Martha. No, Pong Sorry. was a great game. We're not putting it down. No. We're not putting you down. No, I love Pong. No, not, uh, Martha, thank you so much for writing in. Um, Kristen and I try to do our best with everyone's vicissitudes. If you have a vicissitude, bring it to us and we'll validate it like a parking, like a parking uh, uh, ticket. Yes, we will. Stay with us. When we're back, Gretchen Rubin joins us to ask, what should I watch next? Hey, everyone, we're back. And for this week's What Should I Watch Next segment, we have a very special guest, Gretchen Rubin, host of the podcast Happier with Gretchen Rubin. She's also the author of several books, including The Happiness Project and The Four Tendencies, The Indispensable Personality Profiles That Reveal How to Make Your Life Better and Other People's Lives Better, too. Gretchen, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be talking to you, Kristen and Rayford. Thank you for having me. Uh, Gretchen, before we get to your question, a question which I love, by the way, uh, tell us what your podcast is about for those who don't know. Well, Kristen knows because Kristen <laughs> was one of our producers back in the day. We were one of the many illustrious shows she's worked on or hosted or founded. Um, it is basically, um, so my sister and I, um, we are like the click and clack of happiness. So every week we talk about practical, concrete ways to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. And because we're sisters, we don't let each other get away with much. Um, <laughs> so it's it's very fun. Um, and uh, I will never forget seeing Kristen dancing up on stage to our happiness 911 Spotify list, you know, highlights. Oh, yes. That was at one of the happier live shows. And yeah, in Seattle. <laughs> yes. I believe it was Party in the USA. Oh, my correctly. gosh. Gretchen, your memory is so good. Yes. Yep. That's right. Good old Miley Cyrus, a.k.a. Yes. Dolly Parton's goddaughter. Yeah. Yes. And you and I, yes, clearly Dolly Parton is yes. very important to both of us. Well, Gretchen, we are so excited to have you on today because I know this because you and I are friends, that you 
um, also enjoy TV and movies so much. So to have somebody on the show who just genuinely, you and I have talked about TV and movies in the past, everything from RuPaul's Drag Race, you and I have talked about, to uh, Game of Thrones, which you actually had to explain things to me because I didn't really understand. Um, Oh, it's a complicated show. (laughs) (laughs) But we're so glad to have you on today. And now, why don't you share with the listeners your what should I watch next question? So what I'd like to know to watch next is I love a movie with a twist. I love a movie or a book or a TV show where you watch the very last five minutes, ten minutes, and it makes you rethink the entire thing. You have to go back through it in your mind, maybe instantly rewatch it. Something like Get Out or The Sixth Sense are two movies that I love like this. I love both those movies. Mm-hmm. Let me ask a question. Why do you think you like a twist ending? What is it about it? Uh, that you enjoy? Why, why do you think you like being thrown and surprised that way? I think I like that the story can be understood in many ways. You know, that I'm reading it one way and I'm looking at certain people as being the main characters or like the villain or the hero. And then all of a sudden there's this whole new interpretation. Um, and then that's very exciting to me. And so then I want to go back through it and see it through this other uh, perspective and just the idea that there's more than one way to understand the story, um, I just find like so interesting and, and so masterful. It's not easy to pull that off, um, and so I I really uh, I really like it that that people can have like sort of these double entendres going through the whole thing. Yeah. Now we're going to give all the listeners a warning here. Okay. If you don't want to know about twist endings, if you just want to watch a movie and not know a twist ending is coming, you may not want to hear what we are about to recommend because both both Rafer and I have suggestions. Rafer has a movie suggestion and I have a TV suggestion. So, okay. Rafer, why don't I let you start? All right. Uh, that's true. Uh, you know, you once once you once you tell people, "Oh, here's a great twist ending movie," then they know. Then they then they know to start looking <laughs> for it. In fact, um my wife and I keep, uh, we're just dying to show our kids The Sixth Sense uh, because we yes. both loved it so much. And um, we haven't told them anything about it, even the fact that it's got a twist ending, because we're just hoping that someday they're going to they're gonna say, okay, we're ready to watch it. We've told them it's very scary, but we haven't, uh, we haven't pulled the trigger on that one yet. Anyway, um, okay. But, you know, that movie is very clever because it has kind of a double twist because my daughter knew there was a twist, but she thought she'd already seen the twist before the actual twist happens. Oh. So that has like a, it has like a fake you out twist for oh. the people that know that there is a twist. Oh, that's good. That's good. All right. There's a minor twist and a major twist. Yes. Well, now I need to rewatch that. <laughs> All right. I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, so you've, so you've seen that one. It sounds like you've seen probably some of the major twist ending movies. So I, I tried to come up with one that was a little on the obscure side. Ooh. It's a movie from 2009 called Orphan. Do you know it? <gasps> No, tell me more. All right, excellent. This is good news. Okay, so I'll give you the quick rundown. We'll play a clip. We'll talk about it. Um, So it's about a couple, uh, John and Kate. Uh, They've got two kids. One is uh, like an older kid. He's 12 years old, named Daniel. Uh, And then they have a a littler daughter, five years old. Uh, Her name is Max. Max is deaf. Uh, John and Kate want a third baby. The baby is stillborn, and this is kind of putting some strain on their marriage. They're having trouble recovering from this. So they adopt a girl, and they adopt a nine-year-old girl named Esther. And she's kind of a she's kind of a strange kid. She's not really quite your sweet and cuddly kid. She's a little chilly. She's got these 
pitch black eyes that you can't quite see into. Uh, but she does know when required how to put on kind of like a, a sad face and kind of a lovey-dovey little smile and, you know, kind of a oh mommy kind of smile. So they take her in, they take her home. And um, as you might guess, Esther kind of throws the whole house off balance. The little girl loves her, but the older son doesn't. Esther gets in trouble at school. She's hurting students. She's hurting her teachers. She's uh, doing some not-so-great stuff to animals. And she seems to have maybe kind of a thing for her dad. So here's a clip. Obviously, there has to be some other explanation. She didn't come from an insane asylum. How do you know that? The orphanage you thought she came from has never heard of her. Everything about her could be a lie. Everything. We, we have her passport, her birth certificate, school papers, records, medical papers records. papers from halfway around the world. What is this? It's a piece of paper. Your mother was there this time. It wasn't just me. Your mother was there. It's either Esther or Daniel who started the fire. Who do you think it was? I don't know. I'm so done. I'm done connecting these dots for you. You know what? You can think whatever you want about me. I will leave tonight. If that's what you want, I will leave tonight on one condition. Esther goes to. Reefer, this sounds very, very, very twisted. Gretchen, I have to ask you, uh, how are you with Scary Twisted? <laughs> um, I I like creepy, but downright scary. I don't know. I may have to watch that like in broad daylight with a lot of company. <laughs> <laughs> that that uh, that might be good advice. You know, this is this is like a, you know, this is a a great genre yeah. picture. It's a great psychological horror movie, but it's got this great cast, uh, Vera Farmiga and Peter Sarsgaard play the uh husband and wife. Mm. Um uh the girl who plays Esther, I don't know that much about her. She's 12 years old at the time. Her name is Isabel Furman. She's great. Um and it's by this director named I don't know how to pronounce his name, Jome Colet Sarah, I think is his name. He's got a hyphenated last name and he likes to do these really tight little claustrophobic mm. thrillers like The Shallows, the one with the with the, the surfer Ooh, who's trapped oh, on the rock. My husband watched that, and I'm like, I would never watch that if you paid me a million dollars. <laughs> I love that movie. He was like, oh, it's so good. I'm like, no... I'm out. Listen, no way. Gretchen, I, I don't, this, maybe this one's too intense for you. I feel like you could handle it. Um, okay. I, I, it's a lot of fun. If I know there's a cool twist coming, maybe I'll stick with it. I'll just tell you, you know there's a twist coming and you'll never guess it. Ooh, I'm intrigued. You'll, I don't, I don't think anyone would ever guess it. And it's plausible. Okay. That's the greatest part about it. Totally plausible. Well, a twist has to work. An arbitrary twist or, or a manipulative twist, is you feel, just feel annoyed. That's exactly right. It has to be earned. That's yeah. exactly right. Anyway, so there's a, a little gem for you. Orphan. Okay, orphan. All right. Kristen, how about you? All right. Well, as I said, I am going to be prescribing you, Gretchen, a TV series. Mm -hmm. Now, this was all the rage a few months ago on Netflix. It's called Behind Her Eyes. Have you already seen it? No. No. Oh my gosh, I'm so thrilled. I thought you might say Russian doll. Oh. I thought you might say that. No, no, no. That that was actually my other choice, just so you know. Oh, okay. I love Russian doll. I love Russian doll. So if it's this is like in that in the spirit of Russian doll or so tell me about it. All right. So it's not quite in the spirit of Russian doll, but it does have kind of a creepy feeling. And mm -hmm. You may be wondering what's going to happen, but you won't be wondering for the creepy reasons. You'll be wondering for the character dynamics. So let me walk you through the plot. The story centers on a single mother played by Simona Brown, 
and she is the assistant to a psychiatrist. And she begins having an affair with him. And the psychiatrist is played by Tom Bateman, by the way. And while she's having an affair with him, she also strikes up a friendship with his mysterious wife, played by Eve Hewson. So that's really what drew most people into it, uh, thinking, oh, how's this love triangle going to play out? Why would she be friends with the wife? Who's manipulating whom here? But there's more to it. Here's a clip. What happened there? I whacked it on my balcony the other night. Sleepwalking. Do you sleepwalk often? Often enough. I have night terrors. They're like pain in the ass. This is gonna sound silly, but I'd rather you didn't mention to David that we did this. Probably easiest if you don't mention meeting me at all. Why's that? He can be a bit funny about mixing work life and home life. And us girls need some things for ourselves, right? So as I said, Gretchen, most people tuned into this because they wanted to see what's going to happen with this love triangle. Mm-hmm. But it becomes apparent, episode after episode, the love triangle is the least of the issues for these people. <laughs> and then, okay, by the end, there's a giant twist which either A, illuminates everything you watched before then, for some people who said, this is the best show of the year, or it frustrates you and makes you want to throw your TV at the wall. So I'm not sure what you're going to want to do, Gretchen. Okay. But um, it's very, very divisive. Some people felt the twist was unearned. Some people felt the twist gave the whole show a different uh, perspective and all the characters made sense to them in a whole new way by the end. But and how many episodes is it? It is six episodes. Ooh, I'm intrigued. Well, you had me at love triangle, and now and and then with a twist, I, it's irresistible. Well, we need to hear from you after you watch it, Gretchen, whether or not you throw your TV at the wall, <laughs> or whether you think, "Oh my gosh, it's amazing," <laughs> because very few people seem to fall in between. Most people seem to fall into one camp or the other. Okay. So, um, I won't tell you what camp I fall into because I fall firmly into one of the camps. But I, okay, I just I'm I'm, I'm not going to overstate my case. I just want to hear what you have to say about okay. it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Gretchen, you can pile on to my uh, Twitter feed, which I've, is already full of uh, this argument. I've seen, I've seen everyone, it uh, seems like everybody I know has weighed in on this show. Excellent. Well, it's good to be part of the conversation, even if, uh, even if you, in the end, feel like it didn't quite uh, earn, that, earn the ending. <laughs> well, we hope you enjoy these prescriptions, Gretchen. Once again, from Rafer, Orphan, very, very creepy. Maybe you'll love it. Maybe you will stay away from it because it's from the same director of that movie that your husband (laughs) has watched that you think is scary. Um, And then my prescription is Behind Her Eyes from 2021 on Netflix. Oh, I cannot wait. So my movie therapy is ready. I hope so. Now, Gretchen, before you leave us, can you remind listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can listen to my podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, every week, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you go to GretchenRubin.com, you can read, you know, there's all kinds of free resources about happiness and good habits. And you can read about all my books and all kind. take my Four Tendencies personality quiz there. Um, and then I'm all over social media at GretchenRubin.com. Done it. Oh, Rafer, you took the test? I'm a rebel. You are. <laughs> 
Oh, and Kristen's an obliger, so that makes you guys a good team because Rebels team oh up well. God. Oh, God, I didn't know Kristen was an yes. obliger. Oh, no, that explains so much. <laughs> Gretchen, I think you pointed this out before that I end up with Rebels a lot for some reason. I don't know why this is. Yeah, well, because Rebels pair up with obligers. They're like the, oh. like in the atomic... Uh, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. You really got that one right, I got to tell you. Oh, my gosh. Well, everybody, you should check out that book and take that test and then find out if you're like me and Rafer or uh, Gretchen, by the way, is an upholder. Yes. She is yes. always on top of everything. Yes. Well, she definitely is. And the quiz is at quiz.gretchenrubin.com if you want to find out if you're an upholder, questioner, obliger, rebel. Yes, take the quiz. Yes. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Oh, good. <laughs> Gretchen, thank you so much again. Thank you. It was so fun to talk to you. And Ray, for my fellow movie therapist, that's it for this week's episode of Movie Therapy. That just flew by once again. That's it. You've wasted another perfectly good hour. Click and clack. Remember that? (laughs) (laughs) On Car Talk. (laughs) Oh, I wish they hadn't used that closing line. It's a good one. Everyone, please don't hesitate to reach out. If you need some questionable advice and solid movie recommendations, you can write to us at RaferandKristen at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at RaferGuzman and at Kristen Meinzer and on our website, which is RaferandKristen.com. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.